Before we get going tonight, I just really quickly want to mention um, thank you. Uh, last Sunday, um, at both the morning and evening, obviously, uh, just communicated a little bit about uh, why this thing matters to me personally and why I hope it would matter to, to more people than just me even. And I just want you to know that the response to that for me has been uh, just beautiful and positive and, and just to know that, okay, yeah, there's this idea and a thought here that I think this matters for our community and just to hear more and more people kind of engage with that has been a really beautiful thing. So thank you uh, just for being here tonight. Thank you for being a part of this journey and this story. If for whatever reason you missed last week, I would encourage you to go listen to that because all we're doing now over the next couple of weeks is kind of building off of that concept and idea that we introduced last Sunday. And the idea is, well, why, why are we doing this thing called CMYK? Why? Why? And to understand and to realize that we live in a world that is increasingly more and more polarized, that we're, it's, it feels funny to say, but we're finding less and less common ground as human beings, but it feels like we're finding more and more silos that we exist in, and we're just pointing the fingers at, uh, our fingers at a lot of other people. And then on top of that, this idea of spirituality is less and less black and white. It's, it's less and less this thing that we know that we know that we know, and you draw a line in the sand, and you, and you try to get people over to your side, but we just are understanding through science and research and history and archaeology, all these kinds of things, that there's like a giant story happening here with humanity, and maybe there's not just this one stream of thought that has always had the, you know, they're always the right ones and everybody else is wrong, but maybe there's something bigger that's happening here. And so spirituality is less and less black and white, and it's a grayer area in space. And so for us as CMYK to recognize those two things, the polarization of humanity and the grayness of spirituality, and to say there's got to be a more beautiful way forward together for us, to, for us to engage these things, but to find a more beautiful way forward. And so uh, for us to, to wrestle with this concept and idea of, okay, so what is this more beautiful way? What, what do we believe the best way forward for this is? And for us as CMYK, if you've been around for very long, you've heard us talk about this. It revolves really around four things, that we as a community and I as an individual would be someone that's working to be present, to be honest, to be open, and to be the embodiment of love, to be love and to be loved. And it's in that work that we believe no matter where someone is on the spectrum, no matter where someone's spirituality is or where my spirituality is, if I'm working to be present, honest, open, and love, there's a more beautiful way forward. That's the best step that I can take. And so for us to wrestle with that, rather than just kind of saying like, hey, this is, yeah, this is what we're doing, and then to move on, we think it's important to just have the conversation about, this is what this looks like, and this is how we're actually wrestling through it in our lives, kind of real world beta testing these ideas. And so tonight, I want to share a little bit about kind of where some of these ideas come from, for me personally, and then we're going to invite uh, Tyler to come and talk about his own personal wrestling match to, to start with this first concept of what does it mean to be present. And tonight, I want to look at a story that many of us probably have heard before. Many of us were told it, maybe going to bed at night. It's a beautiful bedtime story. Uh, but it's a story that many of us have some kind of history with, the story of Jonah and the big fish, or Jonah and the whale, as some of us uh, might remember it. And for many of us, this story is, might be one of those that's like, yeah, and I don't really know that this Bible stuff really has much to say because I don't know that this is actually a thing that could happen, and this just feels kind of silly to tell a story like this. But for me, more than a story about whether or not a fish can swallow a dude for three days, like the story is told, there's actually some metaphor, there's actually some things that are being pointed at, I think, within the story that are far more important and far more profound for us to talk about. And for me, that's what I want to talk about tonight. So the story of Jonah goes like this. 
Jonah, he's the only character with a name in the entire book, in the entire story that we find in Scripture. Nobody else has a name. Jonah is called by God and invited to go to Nineveh to speak a message that God has given him. And the way the story goes is Jonah hears this calling, feels and senses this calling, and decides, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something I want to do. So he goes the opposite direction, and he goes to a port, and he, and he boards a boat for the city of Tarshish. And it's in that that he's actually going the opposite direction, trying to escape this invitation of God to go to the city of Nineveh, where God has asked him to go. It's in the midst of his escape that he goes down uh, below the deck of the ship and is kind of hiding out there. And there's this storm that comes. And the storm is so intense and so crazy that everybody on the ship, all the sailors, are thinking, this is the end. We're done for. I mean, just everybody say your prayers or speak to whatever God you believe in because we're all going down tonight. And they're trying to figure out what we can do. And in the midst of that, Jonah actually comes up from the belly of the boat and says, hey, you guys, I think this one might be on me. And the way the story goes is God is actually the one that brought the storm. He's the one that's, that's caused all of this to happen. And Jonah is saying, I'm the reason that this is happening because I'm, I'm living in disobedience and I shouldn't be doing the thing that I'm doing right now. And so I'm sorry this is all happening because of me. So the next time you break down on a road trip, just do a little poll in the car and see who's the one, you know, who's the one that looked at porn or, you know, like all of that. Because you're the one, you're the reason that we broke down, all of that, right? That's what this story's about. No. <laughs> so Jonah has this moment of, this is me, this is my fault. And, and so everybody decides, okay, so what do we got to do? We got to throw this guy off the side of the boat. And they're a little hesitant, but they throw him off the boat. Jonah says, it's okay. Throw him off the boat. There's a big fish that swallows him. He's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And, and the fish ends up spitting Jonah out onto the shore. Jonah learns his lesson, says, okay, I need to go where I was supposed to go, Nineveh. So he travels to Nineveh, and he gets there, and it says it takes him three days because it's a large city. It takes three days to go from one end of the city to the next, communicating this message. Change your ways or things are not going to go well. There's destruction ahead. That's all the message that we know that Jonah is communicating in this story. And it's in that that we see the people actually begin to respond to this message. They go, we got to change our ways. Things are not going to go well for us. And there's something really, I think, profound and interesting that happens, that the king, the guy at the top, hears this message that Jonah is, is speaking and preaching, and he actually responds. And it says that he gets up from his throne and takes off his royal robes and actually puts on sackcloth and joins the rest of the city in fasting. There's something I think really profound politically that's happening here that even the leaders politically of the day are saying, we've got to change our ways. It's not just someone on the top continuing to live the way they've always lived and trying to dictate how everybody else should be. But he's saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in this with everybody else and I'm removing all uh, notes of elegance to communicate that I'm in this with everybody else, and we're going to change our ways. So things actually begin to turn around. And this is what we see happen in Jonah chapter 3. It says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And don't miss the power and strength of this language. He says, therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? 
Here's the power and the significance of this story. This is a story about Jonah being called to a certain place, a certain people group, and he doesn't want to go there. And through a set of circumstances, the story goes that he ends up being there and doing what he knows that he should do. And in the midst of that, what he discovers is that there's this part of him that wanted to completely write off this entire group of people known as the Ninevites, that they were not worth it. We don't know what their corruption, we don't know what their evil deeds or ways were at all. All we know is that Jonah wanted nothing to do with them. They were other. They were not people that he wanted to be around or be associated with on any level. He had written them off. And it's in this moment that Jonah actually does what God asked him to do. And God shows up and is gracious to those people. God is embracing of those people. God is for and with those people. And this pisses Jonah off. Because there's a part that we see here in Jonah's heart and here in this message that Jonah had said, nope, God should not be for them. God should not be with them. God should not be on their side because God's on my side. God's with my people. God's for my country, not for those goobers. And the story of Jonah is one of God saying, hey, I am a gracious God. And where you want to create spaces and boundaries where God's with these people and on this side with, that look like this, act like this, believe like this, that's where God is found. The story of Jonah is one of, no, God actually is for and with everybody. And Jonah intuitively knows this, and it pisses him off. Because it's far easier for us to create lives that have some sort of boundary. This is right, and God's with them, and they're in the wrong, and God wants nothing to do with them. And this is a message and a story that is found all throughout Scripture. Of, nope, God's actually for and with everybody. He's gracious towards everybody. What we see in the New Testament is there's this moment where the Israelites had created this thing called the temple. And within the temple was this space known as the Holy of Holies. It was the space where God dwelt most powerfully and most significantly. And they were terrified to go in there because they, they were fearful that if they go into the Holy of Holies, where God's present really, presence really is, everybody's dead. Everybody's done for. Don't go in there. And there's this moment that happens when Christ is crucified on the cross. So he breathed his last in this Holy of Holies, this curtain that separated that space, was torn in two. That there's this message in this narrative where we try to create sacred spaces where God is found most uniquely and most profoundly, and he's not over there. The story of Christ and the story of Jonah is one where the curtain has been torn and God is actually found everywhere. So for me, the invitation of the story of Christ and the story of Jonah is one to say, I cannot create spaces where God is not. Because wherever I am and whatever's going on, my work and my role should be to be present because it's there, and I believe only there, that I'm invited to actually interact with the divine. And where I know my heart and I want to create those kinds of spaces and separations like Jonah, I can't do that because this is a gracious, loving, embracing God that is found everywhere. And for me to do that is to just find myself grumpy and pouting like Jonah in this moment frustrated and angry. So this is our work. If we're going to interact with the divine and see what's really going on, we've got to see these kinds of stories. And I believe be invited wherever you are, whoever you're around, whatever's going on, to be fully present within that.
And someone that I think has wrestled with this really well uh, here in the CMYK community is a friend of mine and a friend of all of yours, the man, the artist, the legend, Mr. Tyler Murphy. Would you please welcome him as he comes and shares a little bit tonight? There you go, sir. Thanks, Matt. So uh, just to start off with the question, can you give a check on your mic? Is it working? Check. It is. All right. Um, just to start off with the question, what does it mean for you personally when you hear talk or conversation about this idea of, Tyler, you need to be present? Okay. I tried to think on this a little more between services. Yeah, so this I, morning was just the practice round, so you guys get the real <laughs> thing, so good job. So I, uh, I wrote a little bit. I probably should have spent more time, but then I started watching football. And uh, so, uh, basically, well, real quick before I answer that, uh, <laughs> like from everything that you've that you've said from uh, Jonah and and uh, and the whale, kind of the thing that I take from that is that truth is found in the places that we don't want to go, which I think you kind of. Uh, you, you said uh, pretty clearly, but I just want to um, emphasize that that's, that's what I'm taking from this, and also that's probably a lot of uh, how I'm going to answer this question of, of how to be yeah. present. Good. Okay. All right, so I think I wrote down how do we be present. That was the question I was trying to ask, okay. and, then I, and then I just now wrote down what does it mean to be present. And... So I think that this is a really hard question, and uh, probably like all of us, so, so many people here could probably do a lot better job than I could answering this. So, but you've chosen me, so thanks for that. Um, so I think that being present has a lot to do with knowing oneself. Um, and basically, that is what Socrates boils philosophy down to, to know oneself. So then, for me, the question becomes, how do we come to know ourselves? And so, I think in the same way that God called Jonah to go to the place that he didn't want to go, we've got to be willing to look at the places in our own lives and in, and in our uh, society that we'd rather not look at. Um, and so, Matt, a couple years ago, introduced me to a guy named Peter Rollins. So a lot of what I have to say kind of is echoing uh, what I've learned from Peter Rollins. Um, one thing that he kind of points out is he, he brings in psychoanalysis a lot into um, his, uh, his way of thinking of religion, uh, philosophy, and theology. Um, and he... So if you go to an analyst, uh, they're not really interested in the things that's easy for us to tell them about, uh, like how our day has been going. Um, they're they're kind of more looking at uh, and interested in helping us to uncover the things that we don't want to talk about. So they're always listening for our parapraxis, which is like our Freudian slips. And uh, the things that come up that we don't know why they come up or where they come from. Yeah, our, our, yeah. Yeah, our eruptions, the times that we freak out in ways, the times that we go, wow, was that me? Like, did I? Where did that I, come from? Where did that come yeah. from? That yeah. was really weird. 
Um, or, I mean, actually, Freudian slips, and then, well, I think I, I kind of go on to explain a little more okay, here. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, those are the times when uh, you say one thing when you meant to say another, or, or like, the analyst might uh, notice that you never talk around a certain subject, like, say, like a tricky parent. Um, they might go, you know, you, you never really talk about your dad. You know, why, why is that? And then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, and then back to the societal level, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of like what you're, what I like about, you know, you bringing up uh, Jonah and, and, and the whale is I, th I think that you are trying to figure out how do we bring together incommensurable worldviews? How do we stand to, um, how do we overcome uh, like the uncomfortable, uncomfortable moments? How do we sit in the same room with people that don't don't think the same way as us? So um, I think, uh, yeah. So uh, how to uh, be able to sit with people that don't vote the same as us, uh, don't believe the same with us? So we've got to figure out how we've got to learn to be like the analyst, and we need to learn how to develop a curiosity toward their way of thinking and being. Uh, that we shouldn't necessarily write somebody off. Um, immediately when they say something politically incorrect, but rather seek to understand and, and like bring awareness to um, an underlying fear or an unmet desire. Um, but before, like before we do that with other people, I think that we have to figure out how to do that with ourselves. Um, so, yeah. And, and I've got a number of ways that... that yeah, so the idea of being present for you isn't... I mean, it's found in, in recognizing the divinity or significance of the person in the room, but the first step uh, for you the, has been significant in start, starting to look at yourself and starting to, to be present with yourself. <clears throat> and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but based on conversations we've had, this idea that there are things that are going on in your life that we have a tendency to, just like Jonah, to avoid, to run away from, to, uh, to you know, distract ourselves, uh, you know, away from. But for you, part of being present is being willing to be honest or to be present with those things and, like, sit in them for a little bit and have a conversation with yourself about them, like, What's going on? Yeah, like you're, the parapraxis, like you were talking about. What's actually happening here? Yeah, I think we we have to figure out how to be detectives in our own lives. And um, like for me, recently I read something about overeating, which I feel like I've been like I'm heavier than I've probably ever been, and just been like all the time wanting to just pull into every uh, Wendy's and McDonald's that I drive past. And I recently have you read had Taco Bell. Cause it's better. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I have. All right. I, well, I just found out with like Wendy's or McDonald's or um, uh, what? Are, yeah, Burger King. Okay. Any of those that like the dollar menu stuff is is really bad. Yep. But if you get the combo meal stuff, it's it's way better. It's like a it's like a completely different burger. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bart. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> this is what's okay. You're moving people right now, man. Just lean into this. Um, so I was reading this thing about overeating, and it just like it was talking about how a lot of times when we overeat, it's actually a symptom of the fact that we're uh, lacking in another way. 
that um, that we're like we have a deficiency in the way that um, that we're receiving love, like uh, physically or emotionally from from other people. So um, I've kind of made a more that like when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe that's partially why. So like I um, I'm gonna like. Uh, get back massages like once every two weeks like uh and i've been going out on more dates and that kind of thing the idea being that that there's a thing you're overeating but there's yeah. actually a thing behind the thing that you that you are willing to investigate and think about because the tendency would be potentially for you to just say oh i got to stop eating at burger king and all those kinds of places and just move on but for you to be present is to do the work to sit with it for a while and realize Okay, what's actually going on? What's the thing behind the thing? Yeah, that the overeating for me has been like a symptom yeah. of uh, of a, a, a different deficiency in my life. Yeah, yeah. which is, I mean, you, we talked about it this morning, but the idea of alcoholism, many time alcoholism is, that, yeah, it's a thing, but there's actually a thing behind the thing, and, and we're not willing typically to be present with what's really going on in our hearts, so we're just finding ourselves... You know, being an alcoholic and thinking I got to I got to chop that off when the reality is there's actually something else that's that's fueling that. And our tendency as human beings is to move maybe from one thing to another thing, never addressing the thing behind it. So this morning you made the comment of CrossFit. You know that for some, you know, it's not alcohol, it's CrossFit, and there's actually a thing behind that that's that's driving them towards that. Not that CrossFit is bad, and not that beer is bad either, but just that there's something else going behind it. Yeah, that sometimes something like alcohol or overeating or binge watching Netflix or you know so many things that we do in our lives can be um, maybe they're not necessarily the problem, but they might be the solution to a problem. So then, um, for you to do this work of being present with yourself and what's going on, what does that look like for you, and how do you find that kind of practically lived out? Yeah, so um, I tried to. Anticipate that question a little bit. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, like, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I think um, analysis would be one thing, which I've never done, but I'm really interested in. Um, but kind of more realistically, probably for a lot of us, it's just uh, having great friendships and, and really great conversations. Um, you know, finding yourself in a community in which you feel that you're completely accepted warts and all, and that there's space for you, I think this is really key, that there's space for you to confess your insecurities, um, you know, hopefully to a room full of people, or even just, I mean, at the very least, that there's somebody that you can be really honest with, like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited that uh, CMYK is, has kind of moved toward this, um, moved in this direction of, hey, let's bring up people from the audience from or from the community and, and start to hear what they have to say. I think that we learn a lot from you, Matt, but there's another kind of learning that happens, like for me on an individual basis, when you ask me, Tyler, I want you to wrestle with and try to share what it means to be present. And I, I hope that like all of us can... Um, can find ourselves in that in that situation more and more and more in our lives. Yeah. So the idea of doing your own 
labor personally, whether it's reading, journaling, you know, that, that kind of self stuff, but a lot of it is relational for you too, just talking it out, out loud, and, you know, sp speaking it is, is part of that work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So what are you working, so you talk about this idea of uh, emotional, uh, you know, the need for more emotional connections, so you're going on more dates, you're, you know, trying to recognize that. Are there any other areas that you're finding yourself working to be present on and finding, discovering anything within yourself? Well, I, I mean, I do story night at the gallery. Mm -hmm. That's probably the thing that's always, um, has like keeps me in the moment as I go through my week, thinking, is there something here that could, could end up being a story? Um, and I look through my past to see like, okay, what are the times that, I was, that I've felt most uh, insecure about or most humiliated in, like, in the moment? And could that be a story at story night? Um, so that's an, kind of another practice, almost like a liturgical practice, I would say, for me that, yeah, it's that kind of, helps me. It's forcing yourself to, to talk about it in some ways. I mean, similar to yeah. being invited to talk up here, story night is an invitation of like, oh, shoot, I got to talk about something. And rather than talking about surfacey stuff, you're you're trying to go there and talk about it. Yeah. Do you find people respond to that like positively, or do you feel like uh, weird and awkward that you know someone's telling a story about their puppy and how they you know pooped on the the yard, and then you get up and talk about like I'm emotionally depressed and overeating and not okay in life, the end. And like there's this, yeah. do you find that discrepancy or? Yeah, I've never experienced like in. All of story night, I think there's only been one time where I felt like things got weird. Mm. <laughs> uh, and mostly it was just that the lady kept talking for about 20 minutes. Okay. But I also feel like that's really good and important for, for her, but almost more so for everybody in the audience to be like, okay, uh, I guess this is happening for however long. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and, and that's fine. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I think... Um, yeah, yeah, never mind. Okay. So, as we think about this idea, 2019, the work of being present, anything for you that you would encourage people here or you yourself are trying to work on that you would, to leave this? Yeah, I think, um, maybe to ask yourself and, and to really pay attention to those times when um, you have an eruption in some way, when you freak out in some way, or when like deep feelings of, of hatred or um, when you just want to dismiss somebody entirely to sit with that a little, a little longer and, um, and figure out is, is there something deeper um, that I need to work on myself um, before cutting off this relationship. That's good. I like it. Uh, I was curious. I, I was going to ask you if, if you had any examples. <laughs> Of, uh, of like times where you've you know become aware of like a symptom or a, a Freudian slip or a parapraxis, you know, where where you go, oh, okay, now I'm all of a sudden aware of something, and it's it's trying to speak for something that I'm not giving words to or giving yeah. time to. Yeah, I think for me, um, it probably revolves around a couple different things. One would be just my family and kids that I I find 
just these explosion moments. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, all, Anders just put the fork in the spoon container in the drawer, and I'm, like, really pissed at him for it, you know, and I want to put him in timeout for a year. And I'm like, okay, this is, there's something behind that because it's really not that thing, so what is it? And um, so just and, – and then recognizing – it's not. It has nothing to do with Anders, um, but it has maybe something to do with physically something going on with me, like sleep or what I'm actually putting in my body food-wise, uh, or there's just some anxiety. Um, many times, whether it's CMYK or Art House, these things that I'm a part of leading, I think that's that's the biggest part for me is I carry a lot of anxiety about this this thing, this community, and I carry a lot of anxiety about Art House, and I want them to go really well. And if I feel like or sense they're not going well, I don't know how to deal with that, and so that's what comes out sideways. And so I've got to find spaces to, to talk about it and, and figure it out. So even last night, Kate made a comment about something CMYK related that was so silly, but I just like snapped back at her, and it's just because I, I'm, I, I'm insecure about this thing, and I'm insecure about myself in it. So. And um, one of the things that I've learned through Peter Rollins, uh, through um, learning... Uh, studying a little bit more of Freud is um, that uh, anxiety is is like the one thing that never lies and it's just that a lot of times our our symptoms are like the sideways expression of a truth that hasn't found a way to be spoken mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't have a name yet it doesn't have a voice yet so it's just coming out as anxiety yeah yeah so think of that like you know when you really disagree politically with somebody. Yeah. And they're coming out, yeah, to just be present in that moment, not try to avoid it, not try to run away from it, whether it's you or someone else. Can we thank Tyler Murphy for coming and bringing the wisdom? He... <laughs> you got more notes than I do, man. <laughs> Way to go. So as we uh, close tonight and as we prepare to come uh, to this table, um, for me, there's something I think really interesting about uh, this story um, when, it, when the story of Jonah, the way it actually starts out, and these are the first few uh, words of the story of Jonah. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, which is actually going down, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And then it says he went down into the belly of the boat. What I find really interesting is right out of the gates, the story is about a call to arise to something. And the, the, the storyteller, the writer, is using this language of, and then he went down, and then he went down, and then he went down, that rather than arising to the call, arising to what was there, he continued to find himself going down and down and down. Here's why I find that fascinating. I think all of us know and understand there is a space, places, relationships, even in our own lives, that we feel a call, a sense, a belief, an ideal for who we want to be, a call to arise to something. But the tendency that we all have to just go down, to find those things, to find those distractions, to find those elements that, that are not an invitation to move that way, but to actually you know, pick up our phone and to just go down into the belly of the boat and to just distract ourselves there and to live there, centered there. For some of us, like the things Tyler was talking about, there's something actually happening for us personally, and we feel that anxiety. We feel that tension come up, and rather than arising, rather than being present with it and asking the question, what's going on here, we go down. We figure out, how do I not feel this? How do I distract myself away from it? 
I really, really believe that there is this work of spirituality, is this call to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be here because there's something beautiful here, and I can't separate and say God's not there. There's nothing divine there. There's nothing, nothing beautiful or loving there. I've, I've got, rather than going down and trying to avoid it, to enter into it. And for me, something as simple as um, this invitation to, to be somebody that sees my kids. And when I'm changing my daughter's diaper for the third time because she pooped literally out the back and it's on her neck and, and I'm in that moment for the third time that day, I have a tendency. I have a sense of, I got to do this again. I got to deal with this again, and I want to. I want to go down. I want to find myself somewhere else, doing something else. And what I believe the story of Jonah is, and what I believe the call to be present is, to say, no, there's, there's something divine and beautiful and significant, even here. What are those spaces? What are those relationships? What are those calls in your life that you continue to just want to go down, want to avoid, rather than seeing the divinity, the beauty, the mystery? the embrace of what's actually there. So tonight we come to this table of bread broken and cup shared. It's an invitation to come back to the story of Christ, that the curtain has been torn. Everything is sacred. The whole thing is sacred. And so we just remind ourselves of this once again, to reintroduce ourselves to be present wherever it is and whatever's going on, because there's something beautiful there. We're going to play a song and invite everybody to come forward if you want. Take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. And let's come back to this remembrance. God, tonight, um, it's my belief that there is an invitation or a call for all of us to arise and to find that there's something beautiful and divine there. And for some of us, we don't want to do that because it's the work in our own hearts and lives that we'd rather just distract and avoid rather than sit with, be present with, believing that even in that anxiety or frustration, there's something divine. God, for others of us, it's relationships and people. It's like Jonah. It's in maybe entire people groups that we just want to write off and say, well, that's who they are. That's who they always will be. But to understand that there's something so much bigger happening that we're invited to be a part of. And so it's my hope, me as an individual, that I would be someone that is present wherever I am, not writing off the beauty and significance of what's happening there in that moment. But that's who it would be this week. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray. We say together. May you be one this week that wherever you go, the people that you work with, the people that you live with, the people that you're around, friendships or enemies, may you be one that works to be present fully there because there's something beautiful and divine about who they are. And may you be one that when you experience those uh, parapraxis, as Tyler talks about, those moments where, where did that come from? May you be one that is working to be present with it, that you can name it, you can talk about it because there's something divine there as well because it's only when we're present that we interact with the divine.
Hope you guys have a great week. As always, if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Um, if you need anything from the bar, feel free to hang out for a while. We'll be here for a little bit. But hope to see you here next week as the lovely and talented Seth Hirschkorn will be here talking about the other elements, another element of what it means to have a more beautiful way forward. So thanks for being here, everybody. Hope to see you soon. Thanks. <coughs>